So welcome to uh, From Poverty to Power with our latest podcast. Um, on the line, and we'll see if the tech holds up, is Aidan Ayakuzi, who's the Executive Director of Tuaweza, one of my favourite uh, NGOs, uh, works across East Africa. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about this very, very current question of civic society space, how CSOs are responding to a number of challenges, as we, uh, the euphemism we use in the aid sector. So hello, Aidan, welcome. Hello. hello, thank you. Thank you for having me, Duncan. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, you're the boss of a fairly significant inter- um, East African uh, NGO and um, civil society organization. Just give me an introduction on to about how things are at the moment. How does it feel? Well, it is, uh, I like the euphemism you used, challenging. Uh, We work across East Africa, so Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania being the three major countries of the East African community, or the three original countries of the East African community. I don't want to get in trouble with with our neighbors. Um, And the uh, atmosphere is not identical in each of these countries, uh, by which I mean civic space, Um, trends uh, are sort of differentiated, but I would argue trending in sort of a similar direction of more restrictions, more constrictions, more constraints on the ability of civil society writ large to to drive its gender forward. So, uh, but we are founded and based in Tanzania with offices in Kenya and Uganda. And I think Tanzania is the the country that's been hitting the headlines more frequently in the recent past as to the, uh, the uh, deteriorating uh, circumstances for media, for political parties, for uh, um, independent bloggers, for uh, civil society, for human rights defenders, uh, etc. I think uh, the, 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 the clamping down of civic space in Tanzania perhaps has been most surprising to most uh, global observers, and so they're paying uh, attention more closely to it. And so surprising. we're trying to navigate it. Surprising mm. because this is out of character in terms of Tanzanian history, right? Yes. Um, well, yes, especially recent Tanzanian history. Um, I think some would argue, my parents' generation, that they probably not out of character with the 60s and 70s and early 80s, but recently uh, we had, since uh, the advent of multi-party democracy in Tanzania, with our first multi-party democratic election in 1995 up till 2015, um, a fairly uh, a, 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 an atmosphere that was getting more and more benign, more and more open, with huge amounts of media, um, uh, t- newspapers and radio and television stations coming on the scene, uh, with lots of political uh, engagement with political parties, they're contesting elections. Um, so, so this um, slowdown, maybe a reversal of that kind of um, climate uh, since 2015, 2016, 2017, has been surprising. Um, okay. So, for those who don't follow Tanzania, um, yeah. a- 2015 was when the new, pre- the new president was elected, so I presume that's uh, relevant. But could you yes. give us some specifics yes. of the kind of things that have gone into reverse? Okay, um, so we had this election in 2015, October. Uh, new president uh, John Magufuli was sworn in as president in November. Um, and the first year of his um, uh, administration, uh, there was a lot of activity in terms of from from the president and and his government 
to especially focus on, um, I suppose we'd call it sort of indiscipline, very poor uh, performance by the civil service in terms of delivering services and uh, collecting taxes and uh, uh, controlling um, sort of profligate expenditure. So quite a bit of work was done there, a very dramatic and very visible work uh, in terms of getting the civil service to uh, to to become um, sort of more rational. So uh, you, were, you were happy at that point. He was your guy, right? So people, oh yeah, people were happy. Um, you know, government was now working for the people uh, more than perhaps it had been perceived to be doing in the past. Um, but since then, um, you know, uh, a number of things have have raised some some concerns. Uh, um, uh, statements about them, you know, now that the elections are over, so there's no need for political rallies, uh, you know, let's put politics aside, it's now time for work until the next election, uh, began to rank some alarm bells. Um, and then there was the, um, um, I'll say, zealous application of laws which, to be fair, were passed by the previous administration. So one particular one I'm talking about is the cybercrime uh, law, uh, which we uh, were told was actually going to be dealing with cybercrime, and it seems that uh, that law has been used to uh, arrest and uh, charge people with um, making utterances online, whether it's Facebook or SMS or other places that were not favorable to the regime or the person of the president. And a number of people have been arrested, charged, and imprisoned or fined uh, on that. And and and. Um, um, related to the cybercrime law has been the, econo- the Electronic and Postal Communications Act regulations which really asked for bloggers to register their blogs at a pretty high cost of over $900 uh, per blog uh, and then they were monitoring what is sort of being put on the blogs and, and um, charges for um, you know, putting on content that again is not favorable to what is what what the, what the administration I think would like would like to see, and then there was the Statistics Act that was amended very recently, about six or seven months ago, which basically uh, made it uh, illegal to publish any statistical information without the permission of the National Bureau of Statistics, uh, government writ large, or which made it illegal to publicly query a question official statistics um, uh, as well. So one now needs to go and have a conversation with the Bureau of Statistics if one has any questions uh, about it and not a liberty to really have that kind of debate more uh, in the open. So these so, are just so a couple of... Just to be clear, public yeah. fact-checking is now illegal. Public fact-checking is, to all intents and purposes, illegal, yes. Um, um, you know, you, one has to, again, have a conversation with the Bureau of Statistics uh, before we can have, one can have a public conversation about whether the statistics are correct or wrong or whether there's a, a misinterpretation or an interpretation issue here, which is problematic because, you know, you know, Duncan, that statistics can have various interpretations depending on the perspective um, you have on them. They're, they don't contain an objective truth uh, for all time and for all purposes and for all seasons. So, but having that debate, I think, is dangerous now in Tanzania, which is which is a real shame. I think uh, because you, you've got into personal hot water on some of this stuff, I believe. Um, yes. Do you want to talk <laughs> um, about that, or we, would you rather not? Well, very, very, very quickly, uh, Tuweza 
has a wonderful platform called Saudi Zawananchi, which in English means the voices of the people or the voices of the citizens. Essentially, it is an online, uh, sorry, a mobile phone uh, polling platform, and we have about 2,000 people at the other end of our mobile phones. We poll them on a huge range of, of issues. And one of them, we only do this once a year, is to poll them on their approval of the president, the members of parliament, and the local authorities' performance. Um, so in July, we did that polling, and the results, at, the, at least on the presidential uh, polling, uh, did, not come, did not sit well with the current administration, and we've been in a spot of bother since then. Uh, personally, my travel documents have, have been uh, taken, and they're investigating um, my citizenship at the moment. So this is still going on. I'm hopeful that it will end at some point, uh, positively. Uh, but this is the kind of um, um, sort of buffeting that one now gets uh, for for doing the kind of work a year ago was uh, was fine. Well, that's okay. So it gets. I mean, so it has real personal implications for you. Um, activists, sort of more grassroots activists. I mean, you're you're a sort of national figure, Aidan. Um, grassroots mm. activists who are just sort of trying to organise in their communities. Are they experiencing much in the way of change, or is it actually pretty much how it was before? Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like I know uh, a lot about, about the grassroots activism, but I think what, is, what has happened, let me, let me answer it this way. We polled um, about, uh, around the issue of public services delivery uh, to ordinary citizens. Uh, and on one sector, health sector, the results are pretty good. You know, more people are using public health services and they have a good opinion of the services that, that they're receiving. Now, if grassroots organizations, uh, community-based organizations are organizing around pub- the delivery of public services, um, I think they're having an effect and I think the government is responding uh, to, uh, to that organization. However, if they're organizing around other things, um, that might be a little bit more problematic. So, for example, access to reproductive um, uh, sexual reproductive um, uh, services. Um, I think uh, it ran into a spot of trouble when the president expressed some disagreement with with um, uh, sort of family planning messaging uh, from from some of the national organisations um, advocating, for example, for girls to go be able to go back to school after they've fallen pregnant might get you into a spot of bother again because that's again going against the grain of, um, of, of what the, uh, the president would, would, would prefer. So I think in those areas, in certain areas, it's, you know, it's problematic. In other areas, probably the response is, is, is quite good. I think it was Fidel Castro that said, with the revolution, everything against the revolution, nothing. It sounds a bit like that. <laughs> um, yes, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, that... that, that Unfortunately, what then happens is that I think the government or the administration is forced to generate a narrative in which everything is for the revolution, right? Uh, and and life doesn't quite always um, play ball. Yes. Uh, so 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 dissenting or expressing an opinion that well maybe things aren't quite what they should be or what they seem or what we're being told um, can be costly. There's some interesting research by Naomi Hussain at uh, the Institute of Development Studies on on what's going on. And she challenges the idea that 
civic spaces closing and uh, and actually likes to talk about civic space changing because her argument mm. is that various forms of public action are expanding into the space of traditional CSO activity a lot of it quite unruly and sort of you know fuel price riots and people suddenly just saying enough is enough and CSO mm-hmm. civil society organizations not being particularly central to that does that resonate at all with what you're seeing in East Africa I think maybe not so much unless you consider Sudan uh, to be part of East Africa. Uh, there we've had some spontaneous, um, uh, you know, uh, demonstrations against, you know, food prices, which expand into wanting government to change. Um, so they like this part. I've got to be honest, we don't see it so much uh, in, in, in East Africa. Um, there was some noise around a Ugandan musician called Bobby Wine, um, again, because I think he may have uh, been uh, beaten or arrested, uh, and then that galvanized the population around uh, his experience, and therefore that morphs into something, a bigger commentary around, you know, governance uh, in, 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 in the country. Um, so, in Tanzania, not, not yet. I think there might be some seeds um, bubbling under the surface, but it hasn't it hasn't popped up um, quite in quite the way that we have seen in in other countries. But that's not to say that it's not there, that it doesn't exist. And I think the Naomi's point is, you know, civil society is sort of sidelined by this. I think she makes an important observation um, in this. And, and that, it has, 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 that has, a bit, hey, I mean, so mm. how what's the right way to react if you're a CSO in this sort of situation? Do you oppose? Do you change? How do you Walk the line in an article by one of your staff recently. <laughs> I think the first place, what I would do is I would reflect um, what what has changed, uh, what is changing, and what are the drivers that are that, that are shaping um, these these particular sort of developments. Um, and I, to be to be blunt, I don't think that civil society organisations have really done a lot of deep introspection in the last few years. Uh, which is which is dangerous, given the fact that things are changing very fast. On the one hand, um, I think governments are becoming a lot more assertive about what it is that they want to do and how they they feel they're representing the interests of their citizens. So they're taking that particular claim to legitimacy um, more more aggressively from civil society organisations. On the other side, civil ordinary citizens are probably looking at us and thinking, um, uh, who exactly do you represent uh, in the work that you do? Uh, and how, I, how is your work connected to my daily lived experience and my priorities? I think that's the other side. And my fear is that we haven't really done a good um, discussion internally about what, who exactly do we represent and how relevant are we in the current context and what are we up against? going forward if we want to continue to say that we are an independent voice we, of, of, of citizens who are holding governments uh, to accountable and transparent, etc. Um, I don't think we've had that conversation. So that's why I say that Naomi's um, view uh, raises some very interesting questions that I think we need to, to grapple with. We could talk all day, but that seems like a, a pretty good place to end. Huge thank you. Yeah. Um, I've really got my fingers crossed that the technology means that people will be able to hear this. But uh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks very much. Thank you, Duncan. Thanks very much.